1: you <laughs>
2: You're afraid I wasn't going to get here in time? Folks who watch Facebook, they know I'm always here, but they've seen me jump in my chair just before I had to talk. I have made it here on time once again. Good to see you. It's a Thursday. J.R. Davis is going to be with us in just a moment. The uh, governor spokesperson, we've got a lot to talk about with him. New revenue forecast has come in. It's good. We'll talk about what's going on with parks. And uh, a few other things. So there's good things to talk about. I think I want to talk to him a little bit about the the crazy Democrats as well. Did you see any of that town hall about climate change that they did with CNN? Oh, my God. People are crazy. Crazy. They're going to tell you how you got to live your life completely. Don't have kids. Don't eat meat. Uh, What other Turn your uh, thermostat down. We got all kinds of, quit driving and ride the buses. It's just, It was crazy. Uh, I'll have more of that as we go along this afternoon. I've got all kinds of sound from that. Which at the top three for sure. I got Sanders, Biden, and Warren. And what was it that Warren said? Where's my, where's my material here? I got to have my material. Warren, let me get this. Says light bulbs, straws, and cheeseburgers are all different pieces of addressing climate change. Let me say that again to you, Zach. Light bulbs, straws, and cheeseburgers. Now, light bulbs. We already got rid of incandescent light bulbs. What are you going to change now? We we went to LEDs. That's supposed to be saving us buku's. Of, of energy, straws, God knows we don't want to be hurting the turtles over there in Indonesia. The only reason I could think that they need it is that you're hooked on cocaine. That's the only thing that I can think of about a turtle and then cheeseburgers. Well, you know, those evil cows, you know, they're over there. They're, they eat a lot of grass. They drink a lot of water and they fart a lot. And that destroys our atmosphere as well. So we'll hear about what Elizabeth Warren also has to say. And something came up last night that they haven't been talking about a lot. See, they're getting they're getting very bold now because they think Americans are totally sold in. They think the majority of Americans, you think that Dorian, the reason Dorian formed. Wasn't because it's hurricane season. It formed because of climate change. Budaj said that we go, we're going to have to have a carbon tax. Haven't now let me ask you this. Zach. You just say yes or no. Have you ever heard them mention carbon tax up until yesterday? No, I hadn't either. They they haven't talked about that. Uh, But the carbon tax came up. What was it? Um, Seems to me I got another piece of audio here. Um, Joe Biden says we're never going to build another coal plant ever in the history of the United States. Um, He says uh, at the Climate Town Hall meeting, what are we doing? What's going on right now? Then he says, He's supporting carbon tax. Harris, we should ban plastic straws. That has nothing to do with climate change. Nothing. Zip. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. She says that if I'm president, I'll scrap the filibuster. Oh, she will. Will she? That's got to be done by whoever is the, the majority leader of the Senate. It's not done by the president. That's what we want. We want a president doesn't know what a president can do. Uh, She says she wants to scrap the filibuster so that we can enact the Green New Deal. Now, we've talked about the Green New Deal. It is absolutely insane. Insane. All capitals. I-N-S-A-N-E. It is insane. And so are all the Democrats running for president when it comes to climate change. They are all insane. Did you watch any of that? Turn your mic. Reach over. There you go.
3: Got it. Did you watch any of that? Uh, I've seen clips. I didn't watch it's the It's crazy. No, the population control issue that Bernie Sanders yes. addressed. I mean, I thought... Um, he uh, supports discussing, quote, yeah. the
2: need to curb population growth to deal with climate change. We don't need to deal with population growth here in the United States. Go, go ask the Chinese and Indians to take care of that.
3: Yeah, I thought the the tweet that uh, uh, was the best last night was from Se Cup. No, oh, uh, yeah, and said, "Let's just state for the record, talking about needing population control through abortion for the sake of climate is talking about eugenics." The fact that Bernie Sanders is willing to entertain this vile idea is not only disgusting; it should be disqualifying. Um, but but honestly that's probably the clip of everything that was discussed last night that uh is is the most where I didn't think I could be surprised anymore that the fact that that was just very publicly discussed, it was an actual question oh, yeah. from a member of the audience. Uh it's scary. It just kinda yeah. talks to you How where about the party we is kill right now. A few hundred thousand more babies.
2: Yeah. I mean seriously. No. Yeah. So what they're you know, I mean Budaj was the first one to bring up we need the carbon tax it's raised its head again they have none of them have said that until they are to last night the democrats f- believe that the american people think that climate change is destroying the world and most americans do not buy that
1: well if
3: if i'm a uh, if i was a member of the democratic party hoping to have someone unseat the president in 2020 I'd be a bit worried right now because we're talking – I mean, we're early September of 2019, and we always said that they were going to try their best to get to the left of each other. And they
2: have now. And they
3: have. And I think the only one that's, that seems to be trying to hold the center, if you want to call it that, is is Biden, and I just don't know that he's going to be – He's not even there. He said he supports the carbon tax. No, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But I'm seeing you're seeing the the most, if you want to call it the most centrist sort of candidate being pulled to the left. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to continue to just fall over each other to the left. And I think Biden, you know, you've seen his poll numbers. I mean, they're they're holding steady in some, but nationally they continue to go down. And so as that happens, you're going to start seeing him go further to the left to try to to capture uh, that that base. But again, you know, the more they discuss this issue, the more they discuss, uh, uh, you know, the the higher taxes and and things like that, Medicare for all doing away with a private option. Uh, it's 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 going to be a losing strategy for the Democrats. I fully believe that.
2: I told you, this was McGovern all over again.
3: Yeah, and it's
2: Mondale. Yeah, it's McGovern and Mondale all over again because they ran to the left and they they left the field is what they <laughs> well, did. Well, and here's <laughs> the thing too.
3: You know, you, you whether you like President Trump or you hate President Trump, there are people out there that if they were given a a more moderate Democrat that they liked would vote for, but maybe, maybe, but, but listen, I'm talking about the independence there, right? Yeah. So they're looking that I don't like president Trump. I don't like the way he does things. You know, he's an embarrassment to the country globally, like all these things they say, right? But when you have the option to either say, let's just leave things alone for four more years, we've gotten through it. The economy's fine. We'll do four more years of this. Or do you want to bring someone in that, that, That literally will line up these real four super left leaning, uh, not left leaning, they are on the floor on the left uh, right now, ideas from the Democratic Party. I just don't think there's going to be an appetite for that with the general election, the general electorate, especially those independents that. You know, again, may not like the president, but, hey, the economy's doing fine. Things are great. You may not like him, but you're definitely not going to want to make a change to full-on socialism like uh, what you're seeing up there on those debate stages lately.
2: Hey, Harris is the one that I'm finding more and more entertaining. Did you hear what she said last night? I've got – we'll play this for you here. Is Is, that, is uh, cut number uh, 10 a short one? Two minutes? You want to hear Harris for two minutes? I'd love to hear. Harris all right, for well, two, two here. Minutes. Here is uh, Kay Harris from last night. Listen to what she says here. Michael, what's your question? Good evening, Senator
4: Harris. And
1: Michael,
2: we knew mov- moving towards a green economy for all is critical
4: for our yeah. planet. As we make the transition from dirty diesel and coal, our industry workers, many of whom voted for Donald Trump in the last election, Mm -hmm. may fear losing their jobs, benefits, and ability to provide for their families. How will you work across the aisle to support all workers and build trust with Republican constituents dependent on a fossil fuel economy?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Michael. I I think that, first of all, let me just tell you, um, I think about this issue through the lens of my baby nieces who are one and a half and three years old. And when I look at those babies and I think about what the world will be like in 20 years if we don't act, I'm really afraid. And as it relates to those Republicans in Congress where I've now been for two and a half years, every one of those members need to look at the babies, the grandbabies in their life, and then look in the mirror and ask themselves why have they failed to act? Because on the issue of this climate crisis, I'm going to tell you, I strongly believe this is a fight against powerful interests and leaders need to lead. So lead, follow or get out the way and get out the way, starting with Donald Trump. So. So, yeah, we need to work across the aisle, but I'm going to tell you, it didn't sound like working across the aisle. I'm seeing no evidence of it. I'm saying, I, was, I, I kid you guys not, I, in, the United, in our United States Congress, I was part of a committee hearing during which the underlying premise of the hearing was to debate whether science should be the basis of public policy. This on a matter that is about an existential threat to who we are as human beings. So again, back to the United States Congress, here's my point. Listen. If they fail to act as president of the United States, I am prepared to get rid of the filibuster, to pass a Green
5: New Deal. All right.
2: I'm going to get rid of the filibuster. You can't get rid of the filibuster. It's the majority leader of the Senate that has to get rid of the filibuster.
3: But she's Kamala Harris, so. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I look, I'm telling you. And what I actually gathered from a lot of that is, is her dancing around until that last you know, sort of emphatic, yes, we're, we're getting the Green New Deal. Yes. Um but there's there's just a lot of dancing, and what cracks me up about this is there are some candidates on that stage that are very aware how difficult it's going to be to walk some of this stuff back in the general. Like I think you it's better believe it. There are some that do not care that just want the nomination. They're going to say what they say, and I think they truly probably believe it with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But you've got folks on that stage, whether it's you know uh, senators Booker or, or Harris. Um, even Buttigieg, those that are like, we have to be. I think they realize they have to be careful because it's going to be very difficult. But there's nothing they can do if they want that nomination. They're going to have to go left. They have to continue the to stuff. go left. Yeah, they're going to have to continue to go left. And you know, Republicans and and Democrat candidates for president are at a disadvantage now because there seems to be a debate every three weeks, right? So you're going you are going to hear from these candidates at nauseum before all this is done. Before we ever even get to Iowa, and so I, I'm just telling you, it is just going to be this this consistent move to the left, further and further and further. And it will be Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's party before we get to Iowa, and we'll see how you know the General Electric feels about that. But I, I, uh, <laughs> it's just every time there's a debate, Dave, and I think okay, they're gonna they're gonna try to hold things there, or maybe move it back a little bit to the center because you know you have you gotta have that strategy. It's, I'm just blown away. There's another debate where it's just it just floors me. Well, or if, town hall. whatever. it you
2: want blows to call it. my mind when they say things that the president can't not do. Right. President can't get rid of the Senate filibuster. Yeah, I guess you are figuring Schumer's going to be the majority
3: leader. That's a stretch. I, I I think they're assuming quite a bit right now. I, I think again the scarier thing for me is the Democratic control of Congress. Oh, yeah. But less, you know, more so than than who the president is in the White House. But if you have a, a setup where it's, you know, a Democrat in the White House and Democrats control both chambers, that's a very We've scary We've seen that scenario. one time.
2: It was at the beginning of Obama's uh, election and it didn't go so well for the rest of us
3: and that's where i think they're going to have some difficulties because look at the i mean think about this you've got you know you've got this national debate with the democrats in this primary you're going to continue to hear from them and probably more often as we get closer to to the iowa caucus then you have these senate candidates that are either trying to hold their seat or win another seat and they're going to have to, they're going to be pulled into that national debate. Mm-hmm. And it ain't going to play well in some of those states. And that's where I think it's going to be very, very difficult. You're either going to have Democrats come out and say, uh, no, I don't believe this. This is not what I'd stand for. Be forced to do that. And then the Democratic Party nationally turn their back on them. Or they're going to have to embrace something they don't want to embrace and they're going to lose that seat. I just think just, you know, basically a little more than a year out. It, it it's gonna be dicey for Democrats because they're playing with a lot of l a lot of lot of controversial issues, very socialist issues, and that's gonna be the face of the party. It's gonna be very difficult for them in the general.
2: All right. Don't forget later on in the show, junior I'll let uh, I get some questions about the uh money that's coming into the state and about parks and things of that nature, local things that we need to talk about. But we'll get back and talk a little bit more about this stuff with climate change with the Democrats. But in the next hour, I'm going to really zero in on it again. I've got a lot of uh, sound that you've got to hear. You won't believe some of the things people are saying. Hey, don't forget about uh, Allstate Insurance with the uh, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. They want to help you save money on your insurance and expand your coverage. 501-819-0373 is the number to call that's 501-819-0373 and ask Dwayne or Jerry or any other folks that are over at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency and ask them uh, to meet with them. And they'll set up a time and then you all meet at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. They'll take really good care of you. All right, stick around. A lot, of mo- a lot more interesting information coming your way as J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, uh, joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, back with you. J.R. Davis here. He is the uh, speaker for the uh, the governor. Uh, the governor says, J.R. tells us what the governor is, is thinking out there. <laughs> A couple of big stories today on the local page, the Arkansas page. August revenue hit $508 million, and that is better than... Uh, the same month a year ago. That's that's good.
3: Yep, that's good. That's good. And starting off the uh, the new fiscal year, we're about $7.5 million above forecast. Um, and obviously, we had a monster uh, surplus to close the previous fiscal year, which mm-hmm. ended at the end of June. So, we're looking good. Uh, we're staying uh, focused on those numbers and trying to be as cautious as possible. Uh, you never know when there's going to be a downturn. Uh, we have a pretty diversified economy. Um, but... We also want to make sure we're budgeting conservatively, uh, making sure we've, uh, we've, we're being good stewards of taxpayer dollars. But, yeah, so far so good, second month in, and, and feeling good.
2: All right. We'll come back after the news, and we will talk further with JR. I want to talk to him about the governor was up uh, in the northwest uh, part of the state in Rogers uh, yesterday talking about the second biggest industry in Arkansas. You probably don't know what it is. I'll tell you when we come back, though. We're going to talk about it with uh, J.R. Davis. Uh, the news comes up. Uh, we'll catch up on what's going on. I'm sure that they'll say something about Dorian because uh, we know that climate change caused it. It's, the Democrats <laughs> cry, drive me crazy. It's as if hurricanes only started when they decided there was going to be climate change. We'll talk more after the news. All right, back with you, J.R. Davis, Governor spokesperson, is in the studio with us today, as he is on most Thursdays at 2 o'clock. We repeat uh, this interview at 5 o'clock because a lot of good material comes out. We just talked about the uh, the revenue for uh, the month of August. It's up from this same time last year, and last year was a good year revenue-wise For the state of Arkansas. Yeah, it was
3: a great year. And and again, you know, when it's so much higher above just previous year's numbers and you consider the fact that in January of this year, uh, several tax uh, cuts went into effect. We've got another one that's going to go into effect next January. We've already had the $100 million tax cut that went into effect uh, two years ago. I mean, so we're cutting taxes uh, and it really shows that when we have a low unemployment rate, we have a record low unemployment rate at 3.4% in the state right now. Uh, We're adding people to the workforce. People are going out there, getting jobs, paying into the economy. Um, That's all good news. Those are good numbers to measure an economy by, and and we're doing pretty well right now. But obviously, you always have to remain cautiously optimistic, um, but prepare for the worst.
2: All right. So the article was written by Michael Wickline. His uh, first sentence is, Bolstered by rising individual income tax and sales and use tax collections, Arkansas's general revenue increased in August by $17.8 million over the same month a year ago, hitting $508 million to set a record for the month, state officials said yesterday. Now, understand, individual income taxes are rising. Why is that? Because there's more people working. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
3: And you talk about... People
2: work. People pay taxes.
3: And the sales tax as well. You got the consumer confidence in in, uh, Arkansas. People buying stuff. They feel good about, you know, pouring money back into the economy. Um, You know, so... And the governor mentions in his quote here that he talks about, you know, Arkansas being in a good place as far as a a diversified economy. We just mentioned that. And that kind of goes into your next topic about parks. But we just... We are really blessed to have a state that has such a diverse economy, everything from ag to manufacturing to retail... Um, and then, of course, to tourism.
2: Yeah. So, All right. So the number one, the number one largest industry still in Arkansas, and I think a lot of people don't even realize this, is agriculture. The majority of this state, yep. soybeans and cotton, and things of that we nature. We are an
3: agriculture state. Number two, though. Yes. Is tourism? It is. It is number uh, two industry in the state. Somewhere around seven billion dollars a year uh, in in tourism, and um, I think it's just it's it's incredible to have a state like this where we and we continue to grow. I mean, we we continue to see more and more people come into the state of Arkansas to explore, uh, see what we have to offer, and we have a little bit of everything. Um, someone asked me the question, "What well, my favorite thing about Arkansas is?" It's it's basically you know driving one hour in any direction and you find a different part of the state to explore. Yeah, uh, it's just different. It's true. You've got the rolling hills up there in the Ozarks, you got the Delta Heritage Trail, uh, you know everything that goes on. And here in central Arkansas, you've got all the different state parks. Um, obviously, here in Little Rock, Pinnacle, um, Mount Magazine, Mount Nebo, in Russellville, uh, Pettigene. I mean, you just go on, and on, go on and on. This state has a little bit of everything from you know, the outdoors, the Buffalo National River, uh, you can hike, you can bike. Northwest Arkansas is now an international uh, mountain biking destination, which is really incredible to say. Uh, and and the uh, group that the governor spoke to yesterday is a national group of state park directors. And it's the first time in 40 years that they've held this event here in Arkansas. And mm-hmm. I think that's just kudos to kind of where we're going with tourism and especially um, with the help from... Uh, you know folks that understand about quality of life uh, and, and the Walton family has been a big um, part of developing those mountain biking trails up in northwest Arkansas I think we're starting to see that kind of um, uh, evolve into the rest of the state so we're we're in a really cool spot uh, in Arkansas as far as tourism goes um, and and having a lot to offer from again like I mentioned our lakes uh, rivers uh, mountains and you've got the shopping the entertainment, and all that sort of stuff so it's 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 a neat state to live in, um, and it's nice to know that you have such a diversified economy that you have an, uh, a you know twenty billion dollar ag industry here in the state. Um, but when the economy there's a downturn, uh, more people invest in our parks, and they're more likely to come visit you know local places here in the state. So we have that diversification built in that kind of protects us from some of those downturns. Um, but, but we have to continue to be cautiously optimistic, uh, watch those numbers, and be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. But we're in a good spot.
2: Yeah, well, let's talk that there's a couple of things going on right now that's going to propel uh, the tourism because more and more areas are talking about entertainment zones. And yes. Let's talk a little bit about that, as well as something the governor brought up. And we've been talking about broadband. Mm-hmm here in the state of Arkansas. Yep. Well, it's not just about education and in some businesses. We're talking about for tourism as well. Yeah. He says that is what was it that he said? He said it is one of the most common complaints received by Arkansas State Park officials is the slow internet connections.
3: Yep. Yep, and that's something that uh, the governor's been focused on for quite a while. We've talked about this a lot on your show that, you know, the the number one focus when he got into office right off the bat was building the new scan network for all of our schools. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were not in a good place with the FCC uh, at that point in time when we got in here. We were well below what the standard was. We doubled that standard within a year. And now we're the only state in the country with ninety nine percent. Uh, connectivity for one megabit per second per student, which is the fastest in the nation. I think the average is about twenty six percent connectivity. So that's big for Arkansas. We've come a long way in that in that aspect. Now the big thing is connecting the rest of the state, those rural communities that are five hundred or above. Right. Um, the goal the goal is to connect all of them to high speed broadband. And for those who understand what this means out there, that means twenty five megabits per second for download and three megabits per second for upload, which is very fast. Um, and that's the goal. We want to do all that by the year 2022.
2: And why is that
3: important story
2: yesterday? People's patience is a whole lot shorter now <laughs> yeah. than it has been in the la- within the last 10 years. They, they measure this about every decade. We are down to six seconds. When we ask for something, we expect it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And the only way you do that is what the governor's trying to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, there and there's a lot of parts of this broadband plan. We you know, as far as an economy goes, we want to be able to give, you know, every Arkansan with an idea the opportunity to tap into those resources and have access to high speed broadband to accomplish those ideas. There's entrepreneurs in every part of Arkansas, whether it's in the southeast, southwest, central uh, or the northwest and northeast corners of the state, people have ideas. We have to be able to provide that access to them so they can go about those ideas and, and maybe turn it into the next big thing. That benefits everybody here in the state. Secondly, though, we talk about tourism. We want people to come here and enjoy our outdoors. It's beautiful. We want them to float the buffalo. We want mm-hmm. them to enjoy the lakes, go hiking, go camping. But there is something to be said of having the access to that you know 21st century world. You want to be able to check your phone. You want to be able to get online. Um and and so those are those are sort of the quality of life aspects that we want to um ramp up as well with with our tourism industry. Um and then really (laughs) finally, uh you hit on this. We we want our kids to be able to learn. We're talking about computer coding in the classroom. It's important for them to be in the classroom and work on that with an instructor who can teach them hands on, face to face, right? But when they go home, if they don't have that same access, it's difficult for them to continue to hone those skills. So there's really sort of a three-part approach to this that we want to take. And and the goal, like I said, is to have every rural community of 500 or more connected by the year 2022. And for every other community that's below that 500, trust me, that's a good thing. Because once we get them connected, it's much easier to connect those smaller towns once those fibers and things like that are laid. So it's a process. It's going to take some time. When we got into office, uh, we were... Not in good shape in the school areas. We're now number one. Uh, and as far as rural connectivity, we're dead last uh, right now. So that's that's our goal. That's the uh, uh, the plan. And I think by the time we're done with it, uh, you're going to really see uh, some monumental growth uh, as to broadband connectivity in our state.
2: Now, I tell you what, I, for most people my age, they go, why are we spending all this money on it? Because we need to spend that kind of yeah. money on this. Absolutely. Although we don't perhaps use it I use it a lot. I mean I consider myself fairly tech savvy. I mm-hmm. mean you can talk to Zach. I'm always asking how how much can more can we reach out to people beyond just the airwaves and using Facebook and all the different things that are available to us. But you gotta be able to do it quick. Yeah. You gotta be able to do it. I mean I'm hoping that perhaps the capital will have their, yeah, their internet up upgraded here in the near future.
3: Yeah, there's it's a it's a all hands on deck approach. We we really want to make sure that the state is connected uh, so everyone can benefit. But I would tell people that don't quite understand this or understand why we need to invest. You know, from the state's perspective, we're putting in twenty five million dollars for the very first a lot time. of money. state money. But you have to understand too that. The federal government, they have a lot of money that they can invest into these projects. And if we as a state in Arkansas can come to them and say, hey, we have a plan. Here it is. We're also putting skin in the game. We're ready to go. Help us out. Mm-hmm. And we can leverage uh, those federal resources to get this up and running more quickly. Um, so that's a, a really, really big deal as far as that relationship with the federal government is concerned. But I'd also think of it like this. It's infrastructure, right? We put so much um uh, emphasis on roads, as we should. We have an ag state, farm to market. It's very important. We talk about the Arkansas River and being able to dredge that, so we can have more um, uh, uh, connectivity there. As far as you know, moving things down the river, all of that is important. But a big piece of infrastructure in the 21st century is broadband. We have to be able to have that infrastructure in place, um, so you know you can basically what send the digital trucks to where they need to go. That's kind of the whole idea of it. So you have. You have the rail, you have the roads, you have the rivers, and you have broadband. It's just another facet of infrastructure and what we need to concentrate here in Arkansas. And look, technology changes literally every day, so there's probably going to be something better 10, 20 years from now, but we need to get to where we are right now so we can continue to build on that.
2: Yeah, you can't wait. you got to do it now. I mean, I I look at floating, going up and floating the river up there. If you are a person who has the... uh, The inner tubes and the canoes that people want to use, it would be a lot easier for them if they had broadband so that people, let's just say maybe they're over in Kansas and they want to come here and do it, that they can hook up with them and maybe do something even visually and talk to them and and end up coming here, they bring, they're they bringing money into the state at that point.
3: Yeah, and we'll, I think of Jasper, uh, Ralph, the top yeah, of my head. When, yeah, and you have uh, an, an incredible little community of Jasper. I love it. We lived uh, in Harrison when I was in high school, and so uh, it was a quick trip over and at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch where you could you know, camp and climb and you had the Buffalo River right down there mm-hmm. and there's more hiking. But a big part of that is you have these small mom-and-pop shops that are yep. down there, and if we're not, giving them the resources uh, to tap into that 21st century, you know, modern uh, uh, way of doing business. They're losing the They're losing money. They're not reaching their full potential. We need to give them those resources uh, so we can attract more and more people. And that's going to be a big part of it. But, you know, I love that community. I think given those, those giving, given that access to high speed broadband is only going to enhance what they already do. And so that's, that's the other thing too, right? Good roads, good rivers, you know, good rails and good broadband really enhances what people are already good at doing, right? We're, we're not changing what they do. We're helping them do it better. And that's the idea of it. And that's what we want to do. And, and I think we'll be successful. And, uh, and it's going to be fun to kind of see Arkansas um, uh, kind of skyrocket up those rankings in the next few years.
2: Now, last thing, nothing irritates a younger person more than to be out doing something like that. And they got an elk bugling or something like that, and they want to post it and not be able to post it. That's true. Or take forever for the download. Yeah. If you can just post it, and and that helps us too because it goes all over the world yeah. maybe.
3: Yeah, exactly. And you know a lot of that, you've got the high-speed broadband, you got the cell towers and the 5G network people continue to talk about. So there's going to be a lot of different things that are uh, coming to the States in the next several years, and we are – uh, we want to position ourselves.
2: Got to be there the, on the on the tip of the wave. Exactly.
3: So if there's something there, we want to be first in line. And and uh, I think we've seen that from Governor Hutchinson administration. We'll continue to do that. Um, but but Arkansas is on the forefront of a lot of things. We've got our uh, issues, but I, I call them opportunities uh, for us to make a big difference in the lives of Arkansans and put Arkansas on the map in ways that no one imagined. I think computer coding is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but where we uh achieve success we need to highlight that we need to show where we're moving forward and we are in a lot of areas and so uh i think it's exciting it's it's a great time to be in arkansan um and the most important thing is if you want that federal relationship where uh, you're able to tap into those resources you got to have a plan in place you got to have skin in the game and that's what we're doing on broadband
2: all right let's take a break final break of uh this hour we'll come back finish up our conversation with J.R. davis Governor's spokesperson here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, we're back here on Dave Ellswick show. We're sitting here talking football, college football, the real football. I'm not, I'm not as much of a of a uh, NFL fan anymore. I'll show you why. Let me, I can, I can do it here real quickly. Here's sports page. There's something wrong with there up in the upper left hand corner. It says, Elliot gets $90 yeah, million crazy. Dollar contract extension. And these guys talk about that kind of money as though,
3: why, you're trying to screw me out of my livelihood. Yeah. Right. Well, he went from, what, Cancun, got back to Dallas with a yeah. $90 million extension. That's it's a pretty, pretty nice, pretty nice few weeks for him.
2: Hey, Salem, are you listening? Just saying <laughs> <laughs> just saying uh by the way, before we go any further, congratulations to the travelers winners uh, two to one over the drillers last night, first of the five game five game series right or seven game, yeah, I think it's a five game series uh they'll play two here, then they'll go play two in Tulsa, and if they have to play another one, they'll come back here and play so but congratulations yep. to them on winning They. Uh, they're going to be the champions this year, I think, in Class 2. That's good. Pretty cool. Yeah, yep. it is. It's fun. It's, I mm-hmm. mean,
3: they've had good crowds over there. It's a great stadium, too. It's a fun I mean, place. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, we have a lot to offer in, in Central Arkansas. It's fun to live in an area like this.
2: Just let me say two words. Triple A. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Triple okay. A. We'll start yeah, that AAA. campaign. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying. You do triple I think it would be the perfect place to have a triple A team. You got you would have Memphis. Yeah. You would have Little Rock. You'd have Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I'm just saying what team would be Why do the Cubs want to stay in Iowa? Bring them here. All
3: right? We've got our own field of dreams. Then you got, come on you'd, down you'd here. have
2: you, Yeah, man, I'm just saying you'd have the Cards sitting there That's in Memphis. Right. You'd have the Cubs then sitting in Little Rock. And then you have the Dodgers sitting over in Oklahoma City.
3: Yeah, that's just a, an I-40. Uh, it would be fun. Showdown there. I like that. It'd be fun. I'd, the other I-40 showdown, yeah. I should say. The other one is, you know, UCA, ULR. This is the baseball version. So,
2: what so. do you think? Uh, you think Memphis and uh, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to meet anytime soon after what they saw them do to Ole Miss? <laughs>
3: Well, uh, they treated think, them badly. You know, I'm just th- telling you. No, I think Norvell is an incredible coach. Uh, they held, and, I, and here's the thing this man, week one of college football is so difficult to figure out, you know, what team is what. You know, you just don't know what they're going to be. But I mean, Ole Miss looks like they have a pretty good defense, Memphis looks like they have a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, to hold Memphis to 15 points is pretty impressive, yeah, but to hold Ole Miss to 10 with, with Rich Rod over there now as OC. Uh, is is also equally impressive. So I don't know okay, what the that, Razorbacks. That Rich
2: Rod is Rodriguez, who used to be the head coach at West Virginia.
3: Yes, and then made brief, brief in Michigan, uh, in Michigan, and Arizona, I believe. So he's now he's now uh, in Oxford. I just look. Uh, I think they're going to get a fairly good taste of what Memphis has to offer. We'll see how the Razorbacks match up with with Ole Miss this weekend because you know that's going to be 10, a good we'll That's going
2: to be a good game. It will be. And I I'll really be think it would be a good game.
3: You heard Coach Morris talk about how they didn't really um, release the playbook, you know, and, and didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. look, uh, I, and this <laughs> is what all about the season. It's the in between that just annoys me because you can talk, 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 talk. Yeah, he can say whatever he wants after the game now because they're gonna they're gonna have to show it on Saturday. Mm, so if if, if, they, if they didn't use a lot from the playbook, they'll have to do it in Oxford, and we'll see. So for everybody weekend. who complained,
2: it's a W. That's what I'll, I'll – when it shows up in, in the stats, it's a W. That's right.
3: And I'm going to make one prediction. Okay. <laughs> it's not a bold one. Clemson is going to route Texas a <laughs> That's going <gonna laughs> to be gonna crazy. You know. We'll see. I've seen a lot of predictions, but I think that one's going to happen.
2: All right. We'll let you go, JR. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming Thanks. by. Appreciate it. We've got news coming up. When we come back, you ain't going to believe what the Democrats are saying about climate change. You'll hear it all right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's move into uh, more of the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, several different people who will be calling in this hour, as well as me playing sound from the uh, town hall that CNN held about uh, climate change with the Democrats. i got to play this because it's just absolutely crazy stuff. And uh, we're going to – I'm putting this in the archives because I want to be able to – when they try to walk this stuff back, I want to remind you what they – what they said leading into uh, all of this. But uh, we're going to hear a little later uh, from uh, uh, Greg. And uh, let me bring this up real quick. And uh, Greg Hanks is the uh, owner, and he's the man who runs the uh, Little Rock uh, Comic Con. So we'll be hearing from him and also coming up uh, this hour, uh, looks like we're going to hear from Marlo Lewis uh, on a piece about climate questions for Democrats that no one seems to want to ask. And that's going to go right along with what we're going to be talking about this hour. So all of that's going to happen. So, Zach, when they call, you just let me know, and we'll just kind of move in and out of uh, the questions these folks want to get to us. But let, let's get on to this uh, CNN climate change uh, town hall and all the wild stuff that was uh, was said. Uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke was there, of course. How he continues to carry on, I don't know, with that less than a 1% backing by anybody. Uh, he talked about addressing climate change, and he compared it to fighting Nazi Germany. Here's cut one.
6: Personal sacrifice that you're asking quickly, if you can, that you're asking Americans to make to solve this climate crisis. I'm asking Americans to make this our priority. As a country, one of the reasons I love the framing of the Green New Deal is it uses some of the language that we might associate with the way that we met the response of Nazi Germany in World War Two. All of this country coming together with a singular focus of making sure that we overcome what was at that time an existential threat to this country and to our democracy.
2: There you go. An existential That's the Democrats uh, words are existential threat it's a real threat folks it's there it's going to eat you alive that's what they what they do all right we got uh, I think we got Greg Hanks calling in here we want to talk about coming up this weekend a lot of people looking forward to this uh, dr. Tim Lim who's going to be on in the next hour will talk a little bit more about this because he's going to be there uh, this weekend hey Greg thanks for the time I appreciate it uh, tell everybody what uh, to expect this weekend what are the hours where are you going to be what's the cost uh, the floor right. is yours all right uh, it's Arkansas
7: comic-Con it is going to be Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m and we have uh, if you buy your tickets now until Friday at midnight we have uh, different pricing so it's 25 and 40 on pre-sale pricing and then it raises up to 30 and 50 for the day of pricing and okay. that's uh, per day or per weekend um it's at State House convention center which is where i'm at right now i'm actually walking upstairs okay uh, we're getting we're getting set up for the show um it's it's going to be our biggest event here in arkansas yet uh there's a lot of uh celebrities that are coming a lot of vendors Costume contest, lots of stuff for families to do. We want, you know, my big thing is having families come out because that's that's excites me. Um, you know, I'm a dad, so I like having events that, you know, families can come to.
2: I got you. Well, I got Zach, my producer, today. I know that he's going to make his way over there this weekend. Well, you going over on Sunday, Zach? Is that when you're going?
8: I may go Sunday. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. My son is uh, going to be going both days. So uh, you'll get some Ellswick money out of this, uh, Greg, just so you'll know. Awesome. And, and on top of that, you know, the thing that people love about Comic-Con now is all the, is the different people that show up for autographs and things of that nature. Uh, off the top of your head, I know you don't have a script or anything in front of you. What are some of the big names that are going to be there?
7: Uh, Sean Astin will be here from Goonies and Stranger Things and Lord of the Rings. Wow. Uh, Kevin Conroy, who to me, is Batman. Uh, he was the voice of Batman in the, pretty much every version of the cartoons. Uh, Kehu Kwan, who was also in Goonies with uh, Sean Astin, but also in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. We've got uh, Mick Foley and Ric Flair, two of the probably most well-known wrestlers. That Mankind is going to be
2: there? Oh, yeah. Is he bringing Mr. Sacco? Um, I think he brought him to the last show we did, but we never know. <laughs> and Nature Boy's going to be there. Holy oh, cow!
7: Yeah. yeah, he's only going to be there Saturday. Uh, he had some uh, scheduling conflict, so uh, Saturday's the day he'll be there. But he is a great guy to meet. He's got more energy than any person I've ever met in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, at his age, especially.
7: Oh yeah. So he is. He is a. He's a really cool guy to meet. Uh, we've got Stephen Butler and Mark McKenna and uh, other artists that, you know, worked on comics from Spider-Man to Sonic to Archie. Uh, we've got an entire room full of vendors who are selling everything you can think of that, you know, people want to see, T-shirts, other art, you know. It's basically, it, I try to describe it as a ton of fun under one roof. Cool. I don't really know other, any other way to describe it.
2: So the best thing that people can do is go to your website. That way they can find out when the celebrities are going to be there at the con, what the cost might be to get a autograph or whatever, correct?
7: Yeah, Um. we put as much information up as we've been given. A lot of the guests don't release their uh, autograph pricing until they get here. All the guests are scheduled to be in attendance both Saturday and Sunday except for Ric Flair, so there's not really a time for when they will be here. They'll be here pretty much the whole day um, except when they're doing their panels or eating lunch. They'll be at their booths meeting the fans, so it's a pretty cool uh, chance to meet a lot of people. I think we have 26 guests.
2: Okay, so is it ArkansasComicCon.com? Is that the website? That's it. All right, that's pretty easy to to remember, and yeah, it sounds like make it
7: easier.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, when you get done with the Comic Con this uh, weekend, when do you start planning for next year? Like uh, Monday?
7: We're actually announcing the date for next year on Sunday.
2: Wow! Fantastic. So we, we've
7: already signed the contract. We're coming back. We're we're excited, and next year we're using the entire building.
2: Oh, fa- that's really fantastic. Yeah. So we're pretty excited. Well, there, there's. And, go ahead.
7: And as a, and as a bonus, uh, if you come to the show this weekend, you'll find out the first guest that's going to be in attendance next year. We're announcing our first guest for 2020 while while you're here.
2: Now, it must be a big name. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like that, Hank. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's going to be the big one. This is the man that put this together. How many years now has it been, Hank?
7: I've been doing these shows uh, for six years now. Um, and we do roughly nine to 12 shows a year. So the way I try to describe it to people is I get 12 years of experience every year I put these shows on. So it's kind (laughs) of nuts.
2: (laughs) I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you've done a great job here in Little Rock. Uh, it started off small, but it has grown exponentially. Sooner or later, what are you going to be? Are you going to be like uh, the the San Diego Comic Con of uh, the Southwest? Is that what you're looking for?
7: Oh, I mean, I like the size we are. I'm not a big. Uh, it sounds weird, but I'm not a big guy with crowds. Like crowds kind of give me the heebie-jeebies. But <laughs> I uh, enjoy the. I kind of try to remember what I'm doing, and that you know, basically, my job is to hope, hopefully. Bring fun to people, so I don't know any other better job I could have because I basically am trying to help people have fun all day. So I don't know, like other than being maybe a clown, I don't know what else I could do to have a cooler job.
2: Now, well, some people wouldn't think having the job of a clown is a cool job. They are terrified. Oh well, yeah, of that's true. <laughs> They're terrified of them. All right, to finish it up with you today. Give everybody – it's going to be Saturday and Sunday. What time are the doors open? Give them the website again so they can find out who's going to be there and and uh, the cost and all of that and get their tickets before midnight Friday so they can save a few dollars.
7: Yeah, and on Friday we are doing early check-ins. So if you come down to the state house from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., we can check you in. We can sell tickets, uh, kind of try to alleviate some of the madness that the crowd's going to be. But it's uh, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The website is www.arkansascomiccon.com. It's spelled out Comic Con. There's two Cs. Um, and the guest list is all on there. As much of the pricing as we know is on there. You can buy your photo ops for the people on there. We try to have as much information as possible. And, you know, it's all here down at the State House downtown. So we're, we're excited.
2: All right. I'm excited for you, to be honest. Thanks. Uh, thanks for putting this on and congratulations on what looks to be a fantastic show. And thanks for giving us the time today. Oh, thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. I'll let you get back to work. Appreciate you now. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, that's, bye. that's Hank. He's the uh, owner for uh, the comic con and, uh, he and I have been talking back and forth for several days, uh, trying to work all this out between myself and Greg Hanks and, uh, I was wanting to get him in studio, but, uh, they're setting up today. And he said, Dave, just, it's not possible. And I said, well, that's cool. We'll just, we'll do it by, uh, by phone and we'll make it work. And I thought it worked. You got all your information. So, uh, Foley and, uh, nature boy are going to be here. That's very cool. Now nature boy is only going to be there Saturday. So all of you, uh, WWF fans and WWE, that's what it is now. But when I really was into it, it was <laughs> WWF. Uh, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm thinking about going over Sunday just so I can see Mick.
8: Well, see, I met uh, Mick and Rick on, um, in Mississippi at the Mississippi Comic Con about two months ago. Yeah, you same, said
2: that they were both very, very approachable.
8: Yes, and you know what, especially, see, Rick's wife was helping him out, you know, with the autographs and everything like that. Mick was great. You know, he had his own conference call or whatever. His did, own. He have,
2: did he have Saki? Did he have Mr.
8: Saka with him? No, he did not. He
2: did not? He did not.
8: And I love
2: Mr. Saka.
8: No, but people came with their masks on like they were mankind, <laughs> and, you know, and some had their socks in on their hands, Yeah, you know, because we're fans. And so, like I said, I got to see those two at Mississippi Comic Con two months ago, and they were great. Rick was great, you know, and plus, you know, everyone was doing the woos whenever he would walk by.
2: Oh, that's your boy. <laughs>
8: you gotta like him. You gotta, you gotta love the boy. You gotta love him. I often say, you know, babies come out the womb knowing who Ric Flair is. Uh, if they're even got any kind of inkling
2: about wrestling, yeah, it's, it's wrestling, really, that's yeah. what we call it. But, uh the greatest match I ever watched was when Mankind took on the Undertaker in the Hell in the Cell. That was one of the wildest. I bet I'm I'm sure everybody asked him about that. Oh, it was. It he was, lost a tooth. Uh, everybody thought he had been killed when he was thrown from the top of the of the you know of the cage of the cage mm-hmm. and landed right there and. In front of the uh, the guys that were you know who was who was doing the the, the, the show? The was on yeah.
8: Jr. and I believe King. Yeah,
2: yeah. That did that, and I mean, he was not supposed to have that done to him. Mm. And from what I understand, his back still is screwed up from that.
8: Goodness. Well, you know, Mick Foley was the type of guy. He was the type of character, like you know, he told The Rock when they had their match, basically, where there was no crowd. They were inside the arena by themselves having the, having yeah, the match. Yeah. He told The Rock to really beat the crap out of him. Like, he told him to do that, you know, to sell the match, to sell the emotion.
2: Was was it The Rock that he told to throw the whole bag of thumbtacks down? And then he he
8: body slammed him down on top of him? Well, see, he did that to the, um, to Randy Orton. He did that to Randy Orton. But I think you may be right with The Rock. I'm not totally sure, but you may be right. I mean, he got up and he had thumbtacks stuck all over his oh, yeah. back. Oh
2: yeah, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. The guy's amazing. I've read, I've read his book. Have a nice day and all of that. That's great. He's just a great. Uh, he uh, He's a great ambassador for wrestling. Mm-hmm. Wish he could still wrestle. I mean, the the guys. I call that the golden age. One, the second golden age of uh, professional wrestling with the other two With with him mm-hmm. and with uh, uh Stone Cold Steve Austin oh, yeah. and with The Rock mm-hmm. and all those guys, that was a just a special time. Well good in thing in the I, ring.
8: Well see, good thing I was old enough to like I say remember watching those matches and watching that time because you know now, you know, for the ones who are coming up now, they'll never get to see that. You know?
2: I agree. They'll never and it was special. It was special, and they they went, and you know, you had the Undertaker, and you had Kane, Shawn Michaels, Shawn. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, pretty boy Michaels, <laughs> you know, and you had uh, Brett and his brother, mm-hmm. and Colin. all and all mm-hmm. the rest. I mean, it just some it was some great wrestling. It was. I mean, people say to me it's fake. I say you let somebody jump off of a turnbuckle and uh, land on top of you, and yes. There's a way of doing it so you will not kill the guy right. that you're landing on. But
8: it hurts. Or how about you have the undertaker throw you off the hell in the sail, sail cage? Yeah. How like, about um, that? McFoley? Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah. Mick Foley, exactly.
2: Unbelievable. I still, I think that they're athletes. I've always said I thought they were athletes. Uh, I remember when with uh, when Stossel, I forget who it was that he told them, that, he says, is this fake? And the guy hit him on the side of the head. <laughs> he busted his eardrum.
8: It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, I remember that, And too. that's why they go through a lot of training.
2: And when he went down on the ground and he looked at Stossel, he said, did that feel fake? <laughs> wow. I forget who it was that did that to him. I I have to look that up. I'll bring it back when we talk. I got more. I got sound from the Democrats. They're more entertaining than the wrestling, to be honest with you. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's get back to this uh, climate change uh, town hall and Buttigieg was there and uh, the mayor of uh, South Bend, Indiana brought up something that I hadn't heard here recently. Now it's something that's been talked about a few years back, but they haven't come back with it lately. And it raised its ugly head again yesterday. Here's uh Pete Buttigieg and what he had to say.
0: Defense Department. You talk about uh, how farmers can deal with it. Not as much attention paid, at least in the writing, uh, to what you do to those who produce the fossil fuels and are making the money off it. We just listened to Senator Warren. That is obviously a big part of her focus on this is going after the big companies. Is that part of your prospect also? And if so, how? Absolutely. First of all,
3: it's one of the reasons why I've proposed that we assess a carbon tax. And I know you're not supposed to use the T word when you're in politics, but we might as well call this what it is. There is a harm being done. And in the same way that we have taxed cigarettes, we're going to have to tax carbon.
2: All right. There you got it. Okay, And I'm going to tell you what, before I get done going through all of this today, because we're, we're going to be playing some of this in the next hour as well with Dr. Tim Lim. He joins us. Bottom line is, uh, carbon tax, millions upon millions of dollars. When they tax fossil fuels, guess who's going to pay that tax? You think it's going to be the companies? That ain't the way it works, folks. They'll just pass through that tax, as much of it as they can. So just know that the cost of living will go up. To get by, it will go up. And as they want to get rid of fossil fuels, uh, I'm just telling you this whole thing about we can do it with solar. We can do it with wind. It ain't going to work that way. And uh, your energy bills are going to go up as well. I mean, Biden says there's never going to be another coal fired generating plant built in America. He said it. I didn't. When we come back. Competitive Enterprise will be with us, too, to talk about this. you got to hear what they have to say here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. Stay by. Here comes the news. All right, we're waiting for Dr. Marlo Lewis uh, to give us a call. Uh, they're going to join us here during this half hour. They're with the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and uh, we'll be talking to them. He he wrote an uh, opinion piece. Uh, that was on uh, fox news and it's really great and it's called climate questions for politicians that no one seems to want uh to ask and the first one is would your climate policies trigger a recession so we're going to get into this with dr marlo lewis he joins us right now here on the dave ellswick show dr lewis thanks for being a part of the dave ellswick show Thank you very much for having me on today, Dave. This is great. I'm going to tell you this opinion piece you wrote for Fox News hits the nail right on the head uh, because everybody wants to hear what these people want to do, and they say the Green New Deal, carbon taxes, and this and that, but nobody wants to talk about what the cost is going to be, not only for the companies of this country, but for the average American uh, uh, citizen, and it's going to be considerable.
9: Yes, it is. The The costs for households are staggering. And especially if you're looking at the cutting edge of their agenda, which is the so-called Green New Deal. Uh, some people are calling it the Green New Steel. But we, uh, first of all, I mean, in my, in my column, I link to three studies that all estimate, and they're all credible, very reliable studies that estimate that the cost to the overall economy would be trillions of dollars, but for households, several thousands to tens of thousands of dollars a year. So we actually did a study, my organization, um, which I have a link to there, and it was a study of the cost of the Green New Deal uh, just, the, just the energy and climate policies, not looking at universal health care and guaranteed union jobs for everything else, which is also in the vision statement of the Green New Deal, but just looking at the climate policies of the, of the Green New Deal for five states. And in Pennsylvania, for example, we estimated that the cost for a typical household would be $72,000 in the first year. That's for higher energy costs. That's for uh, complying with the uh, the mandate of retrofitting your house, doing a deep energy retrofit to make sure your house is as energy, energy efficient as is technically feasible, and and so seventy two thousand dollars just in the first year of the program, forty five thousand dollars a year for the next uh, three years, and about thirty a year for the next bunch of years after that, and. And so just just for the first year, you're spending uh, to comply. Uh All
2: right. We just lost him. All right. I'm going to let him go over here. He'll call back. All right. That happens. He was on a cell phone. It dropped. All right. We'll watch, and he'll start calling back here in just a moment. Now, I want to get him in talking. I'm, I'm ta- telling you, you start talking – You know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars to Americans' uh, bottom line, uh, you'll see a recession come up because if you don't have the money to spend with businesses for the most part, uh, they go out of business. And if they go out of business, people lose their jobs. And if people lose their jobs, it it even gets worse because now they don't have any money to be able to spend. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about oil prices too because the Green New Deal – you know, they want to get rid of the, quote, dirty, dirty energy that we're using right now. All right. So, doctor, we lost you when you said $30,000 over the basically lifetime of an American citizen because of everything they're going to have to do because it is a oh, no, new deal. Oh, no, way
9: more than that. Oh, I see. It's 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 what we estimated was just, say, in Pennsylvania, it would cost the household of four uh, $70,000 $70, in the first year. Right. And then $45,000 in the next three years each, and, and then $38,000 for the years after that. Uh, so, uh, what, I was, what I was saying was when I think we, we, we lost each other was that these expenses, uh, especially that first year impact, is larger than the average income of an American mm-hmm. uh, family. Annual income, and so of course you know the, the politicians will, will, will say, well, well, we'll we'll just get we'll just get the oil companies to pay for it. Yeah. You know these 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 these, these you know rob, steal from the rich, uh, give to the poor kind of Robin Hood schemes that uh, you know they had their place back in the days of King John when all the wealth had been confiscated initially by by robber barons, but in a in a market economy like ours, you know, people uh, and companies amass wealth by earning it, and so when you when you then in, in, uh, in, Im, implement a wide scale policy of political plunder like that, what you do is simply destroy the economy. The way uh, the way Venezuela's economy was destroyed. Socialism is the sure path to financial ruin for a nation, and. So that's these. All of these schemes are gigantic wealth transfer schemes, and they're in, they would be enforced at the end of a barrel of a gun. So they're all completely coercive. Um, one of the things that I that I started out with well, uh, in this in this column was that I just noticed that a lot of people today, including many economists, worry about a recession, uh, and you know they talk about how there's this uh, this this. Uh, relationship between short-term and long-term treasury bonds that usually that often indicates that a recession is is in the offing and then of course people are worried about the trade war the one bright spot in the economy is consumer spending consumer confidence is still very high but as bloomberg uh news said in its analysis um The thing that kills consumer confidence faster than anything else is high energy prices, rising energy prices.
2: Absolutely.
9: Bloomberg noted that every recession, uh, all 10 recessions since 1970, were preceded by a rapid rise in oil prices. And all of these climate policies, like especially the Green New Deal, and all the candidates that spoke last night about this, I think just about all of them, want to do this. They all want to ban hydraulic fracturing, which is what has made America the world's leading oil producer. They all want to stop drilling in the offshore areas. They all want to stop drilling on federal lands. They all want to ban energy exports. They don't want the United States to compete in the world with Saudi Arabia and Russia for the world's uh, you know, gasoline and oil consumers. And so all of those and, – and then uh, there are other policies that they recommend, like they, they want to uh, change the rules of reporting to the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission in order to, quote, put pressure on, on uh, investors to dump their stock – in fossil energy companies. So what this would do overnight is drive capital out of oil and gas production in the United States. It would cause global supplies to plummet, and we know from Econ 101 when you crash supply, uh, and and therefore supply uh, dwindles in relation to demand, especially for what are called inelastic uh, goods like energy in other words it's it 's a necessity, and so you've got to keep buying it even though the price goes up. What you do then is cause prices to skyrocket and so you know so my question was wouldn 't these climate policies because of the of the the energy price shocks that would in inevitably you know unavoidably happen? When you, when you decimate an industry that's producing energy, wouldn't that push the economy into a recession? Isn't there at least some risk? Won't you at least acknowledge that there's a risk that your policies would do this? And, of course, that
2: question was never asked last night. Well, I question that I would have for them is a, is a simple one. Hasn't the United States cut their their emissions over the last few years that the main polluters are China and India and other third world countries that are trying to raise their people out of poverty? So even if we cut our footprint even more, it's not going to make a hill of beans.
9: Well, theres there's that as well. I mean, you're absolutely right. Over the last uh, ten years or so, the United States has reduced its carbon dioxide emissions uh, faster than than any other country. Um, and just as a technical point, I, I wouldn't call it pollution because carbon dioxide is non-toxic, it doesn't foul the air. It's actually an essential component of clean air. Without carbon dioxide in the air, this planet would be a dead planet because. Carbon dioxide is what plants eat, and without plants, there
2: are no animals. That's right. I agree with that. I don't, I don't so, disagree. Uh, so,
9: yeah, so anyway, but your, your point is well taken. I mean, uh, China now, um, I think, it, our, China's emissions are, I think, at least double ours. And ours are, even with no climate policies at all, ours are projected to remain flat and, and then decline somewhat. Whereas you know the the emissions from China, uh, India are expected to grow, all all the developing countries, um, and I think this is one of the cruelest aspects of of climate of the climate agenda, which is that as Joe Biden actually Joe Biden made a good point last night. His point was that you know if the United States goes to zero emissions, but the rest of the world doesn't follow then we don't solve this alleged problem, all right? Well, the, pro- the problem here is that the fastest-growing emissions is in developing countries where hundreds of millions of people still don't have any electricity at all. Right. So if we actually got them to, to get on this bandwagon, and as one of the candidates last night, um, um, Mr. Castro, he was saying that he wanted the rest of the world to achieve zero emissions, zero net emissions by 2050. He wanted us to do it by 2045. But how do you get countries that don't even have electricity to forego the cheapest and most reliable energy sources and not cause a humanitarian catastrophe? As you were saying, China and India are trying to grow their their people out of poverty. Well, so does most of the rest of the world, too. And to do that, you need energy but if if uh if that means that you're taking i mean today 81% of global energy comes from fossil fuels and that was the same back in uh in the 1980s which shows you how you know how 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 well these these energy sources still compete in the global marketplace how are you going to go from 81% to basically zero between now and 2050 especially for poor countries i mean you know, we are uh, – it's true that re- the cost of renewables is going down and all that, but the, the marketplace for renewables uh, is, to a great extent, a creature of politics yeah, because it's mandated at the state level and then subsidized at the federal level. Poor countries can't afford to do this. They need to use the cheapest sources of energy they can find – And if you prevent them from doing that, don't you lock hundreds of millions of people into poverty? Aren't you gambling with the health and welfare of vast sections of humanity in the name of climate change if you're really serious about this agenda?
2: Now, of course, Sanders would say, as he did last night, that he supports discussing, quote, the need to curb population growth, read that, increasing abortion, uh, to deal with right. climate change,
9: good luck with that bernie <laughs> yeah, I agree um, you know I mean that's the, a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of people in developing countries I think very correctly regard that as eco imperialism is that here are these rich westerners that have their own you know uh, values weird set of values where they think that that fewer people is actually somehow better uh and want to shove that down our throats um the other thing i thought you were going to say is that that bernie i mean part of bernie's 16 trillion dollars is that he is proposing that we subsidize uh green development um um in in uh in developing countries oh yeah uh i mean he was talking about his plan talks about uh 200 billion dollars a year but we act we know for example that the that the head, the former head of the Green Climate Fund, which was the institution set up by the United Nations uh, in order to, to, to try to bankroll uh, renewable energy projects in uh, countries that couldn't afford to do it on their own, uh, that 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 person uh, said that well, what we really need is about 450 billion dollars a year. In additional, which would be additional to any other foreign aid that they might be receiving, so, so you know, over a decade, we're talking about 4.5 trillion dollars in foreign aid that would be that somehow would um, materialize and be added on to whatever foreign aid these countries are receiving right now. I mean, so this is this is the old. Uh, you probably remember this. Maybe some of your audience. Uh, don't because they're that they didn't their memories don't stretch back to the 80s but back in the 80s there was a big uh continual turmoil in the united nations called the north south debate yep and at at that time the communist bloc was aligned with the south and basically they they were demanding that the that the west or the north uh as it was called then uh based you know hand over more and more of their income to the south um because, you know, commies love to redistribute other people's wealth. <laughs> and, and so this is just an updated form of, of that agenda. And, of course, there are a lot of, uh, you know, uh, corrupt elites in, in developing countries that would love to get our money for free. And, unfortunately, there are also progressive politicians here in the United States who, who would very much love to give it away because playing Santa Claus to other people makes you uh, uh, makes you popular with your uh, with your clients, um, and also allows you to uh, virtue signal as a climate leader.
2: Dr. Maril Lewis is with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Doctor, we're out of time. I'll publish your article on my Facebook page. You can go there and read this. And he's got all of his. Uh, backing documentation with it. We appreciate your time, and thanks for giving it to us here today on the Dave Ellswick Show.
9: Dave, it was a pleasure being your guest today. All
2: right. We will talk to you later. Dr. Marlo Lewis here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got to get a break, break in. Then we got the news coming up, and then Dr. Tim Lim will join us in the next hour. All right, back for just a few moments here to get us into the news. We'll have the news And after that, Dr. Tim Lim will join us. Uh, I want to talk to him about culture and politics. That's what we typically talk about. And uh, a lot of uh, what was said yesterday is cultural stuff. There's a lot of young people that are into this climate change stuff, hook, line, and sinker. And I will tell you this. You know who's to blame for that? Me and every parent. It allowed our kids to be taught this crap and didn't uh, challenge it uh, in the school system. And uh, go to my Facebook page, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, It may not be there yet, but it will be within the next hour minimum. Uh, And uh, I'll have that article by Dr. Marlo Lewis. And there are all kinds of information that you can get uh, from that that I would highly uh, suggest you share uh, with little Johnny and little Susie because they're being sold a, a huge bill of goods. You know, I have to give Biden credit. I mean, he he did say that if the United States did all of this stuff and, uh, you know, we got zero carbon footprint, but the rest of the world doesn't follow, what good was it other than, we put our people through hell uh, to to do that. That's a, and it is on the. It's on my Facebook. Elizabeth, just let me know that the article is on the Facebook. Read it and and go to all the links in that article. It will. I'm just telling you, it'll bear fruit for you. Take some time, learn the facts. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Doctor Tim Lim is next. All right, Dr. Tim Lim should be here in a moment. He told me uh, he'd be here in about five minutes. He's caught in some traffic, so he is on his way. And uh, just wanted to to let you know, uh, things are going good uh, as far as the way things are are running here at the station. We've got some really good information for you about these uh, Democrats. So let's jump into that real quick. And then when Dr. Lim gets here, he can join in the conversation on that. Plus, I had a an article about Marvel that I wanted to share with him a little bit, uh, hear what he had to say uh, about it. And uh, that will be part of our yeah. – excuse me – be part of our talking culture and uh, politics because I believe, as I know Dr. Lim believes – Uh, that culture is upstream of politics. Whatever's going on in culture, whatever you're watching on television, whatever you're watching on Netflix, whatever you're watching on Amazon, whatever you're reading, uh, comic books and magazine, all of that is floating down the stream and is influencing the political system of our country and for the most part it's not positive i'm just telling you it's not positive all right so what are the the democrats saying i got into this whole climate change thing yesterday here let me let me just tell you what uh, what kind of stuff we're hearing um cut number 13 here's julian castro and he's talking about global warming and uh, he's going to blame something on global warming that the scientists that they believe are saying that global warming has happened even say is not causing this kind of stuff. Cut 13.
6: Secretary Castro, welcome. Thanks very much for coming in. Great to be here. This is an important evening for all of us. As you know, scientists uh, already are telling us that we're seeing the consequences of the climate crisis right now, but we'll cross what's seen as a massive tipping point a massive tipping point if the world warms more than 1.5 degrees celsius or 2.7 degrees fahrenheit we've already warmed uh, up the planet uh, one degree celsius since the industrial revolution so we're now more than halfway there what would be your first step to address a crisis of this magnitude well, and first of all, Wolf, uh, I want to say thank you to you, uh, to CNN for hosting such a historic event for the Democratic presidential nominee on, and answer on this such question. an important topic. Um, and to all of the folks here in the audience and to everybody that's watching, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Governor Jay Inslee, uh, who did a fantastic job of bringing this issue to the floor in this campaign. Uh, as well as to folks like the League of Conservation Voters and the Sunrise Movement that have been pushing uh, for those of us who are Send running for president to address to this Castro as we should. Um, I mean,
2: literally, What you've described what you're is here.
6: the most existential threat to our country's future. And uh, the U.N. has told us that we have about 12 years to get this right, or the consequences could be catastrophic. And we see that now. You mentioned Hurricane Dorian; that's about to hit landfall. These hurricanes are happening more frequently, no, and they're, they're happening not. with greater intensity. No, they're uh, not. It seems like these floods that they call five hundred year floods are happening every other year
2: now. Uh, no,
6: right? Um, we see the Arctic ice caps that are melting. Right. The Amazon on fire. Right? No, so it's not. So we don't need client climate scientists to tell us what we see with our own eyes, although their report is striking. When I see these things, when I hear about them, what I think of are my own two children, my daughter, Karina and my son, Christian, who are 10 and 4. And there's a resolve to make sure that our children inherit a planet that is... Here's what I want you to pay
2: attention as I play some more of this. They were given talking points. We've heard several different people talk, and one of the main talking points is existential threat. How many times have we heard that? Four times now, back in here? So that doesn't happen by happenstance. The other thing is, is Harris also said, when I look at my daughters, my one and my three-year-old, and what's Julian Castro when I look at my children... I'm just telling you, they're all on the same thing. Uh, as far as uh, hurricanes go, that's a lie. I mean, there's been multiple art- articles uh, from scientists saying that climate change is not causing these uh, hurricanes to be bigger. Just not happening. And we're not having more hurricanes at all. So uh, you can put that one away. Don't worry about it. It's not a problem. That the, uh, it's burning, the uh, The Amazon is burning. It's not. It's controlled burns that are going on. There were wor- There was worse burning a decade ago. And why is it? Because the people who are down there in poverty, the farmers are burning forests to make, more land for them to be able to plant, plant, plant crops on and be able to, uh, to survive on. It's, it's, I'm just telling you, they are feeding you a complete misrepresentation of what's going on. It is a lot of pure hot air BS, and in the long run, uh, if they get their way and they get elected and they try to do this stuff, well, you heard what Doctor Marlo Lewis said. Just in Pennsylvania alone, well over a hundred thousand dollars for a typical family in the first three years. I don't know about you, I I don't even make a hundred thousand dollars in three years. It's just it's this is insanity, and even if we Pardon my, pardon that. (laughs) I just turned 16 yesterday. Anyway, even if we become not carbon-based energy at all and cut it to zero, if all the other developing nations don't do the same, then our sacrifice goes for nothing. Absolutely nothing. And let me tell you what. I don't expect the Chinese... The folks over in the country of India or in over in uh, Africa to cut back on using cheap fossil fuels anytime soon.
5: They don't care, especially the Chinese. I mean, if you go on Google, you can look up the Blue River, and it's basically where um, a part of a river in China where they manufacture a lot of blue jeans. It's mm-hmm. blue because of the indigo dye. They just dump it right there into the water. They don't care. And so, for all the people who are saying that we have. Um, environmental concerns at home. Don't get me wrong, stewardship of the environment is important, but um, <laughs> who's that guy who's on Bill O'Reilly's show, the comedian? Dennis Miller, I yeah, think. Yeah,
2: Dennis Miller, yeah.
5: He had this really funny bit that he did back in the 90s where he said, you know, for all of our complaining about the environment, I remember when we were kids, we would go into my dad's station wagon, drive down the road, you get McDonald's and you get like styrofoam, and what you would do is while you're driving to wherever you're going, you just roll down the window and just throw it out. Mm-hmm. That was normal. That's what everyone did. You just let the inmates collect all of that That's stuff right. at the end of the day it's or true. at the end of the week. And so the fact that we've progressed from that point onward means that we're, we're making these strides. But don't say that the sins of um, our our environmental waste and our imperfections are something to wag the finger at when you compare it to the rest of the world that is not accountable for anything.
2: Yeah, I'm just telling you. I think I heard that the Chinese build a a coal-fired electric generating plant every two weeks. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, just think about that for a moment. That, that's why I always made the statement on the uh, on the air. That the coal industry, when they they're going to go, people were saying they're going to go out of business because they won't be able to use their coal. BS! They'll sell it to China. Mm-hmm. They'll sign it to India. They'll make their money. That's why they're trying to stop them from being able to ship that kind of stuff overseas. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. destroy industry. That makes a whole lot of sense. All right, I got I got to play another piece. I'm, I'm I'm I just couldn't believe. Did you watch any of this? No, I did not. Good for you. Good for you. I like to
5: keep my blood pressure low. Uh,
2: you would go nuts. You would have gone crazy. Here's Elizabeth Warren. Listen to the things she's concerned about. Cut four.
0: One of them is the candle-shaped ones, and those, those are a favorite for a lot of people, by the way. But do you think that the government should be in the business of telling you what kind of light bulb you can have? Oh, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> you know...
2: They already that, did. Yes.
0: No. Here's...
9: It, look. There are a lot of ways that we try to change our energy consumption and our pollution. And God bless all of those ways. Some of it is with light bulbs. Some of it is on straws. Some of it, dang, is on cheeseburgers, right? There are a lot of different pieces to this. And I get that people are trying to find the part that they can work on and what can they do. And
1: I'm in favor of that. And I'm going to help and I'm going to support.
2: And listen there what the guy said about light bulbs the government and she goes oh you're like how stupid of a thing to say that's not true when's the last time you screwed in an incandescent light bulb the federal government made it illegal to make incandescent light bulbs because they wanted to move to leds don't think that the government hasn't don't have their hand in all of this they do seriously do now, she made the mention about straws. Straws are for the Indonesian turtles, okay? They're the only turtles that are sticking straws up their nose. I'm just telling you that. We've talked about this on the air. I've had the, the scientific uh, stories about that. Of course, you've got to read scientific journals to figure that out. These guys have a hard enough time reading on the Internet, much less going into a scientific journal. And then cheeseburgers, I guess... She's referring to uh, 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 Burger King with their uh, meatless hamburger, uh, the Big Mac now.
5: I don't know about that. I thought she was referring to a statement by Kamala Harris regarding um, the regulation of red meat. No, like, <laughs> um,
2: she wants to get rid of beef. Right. All right. So maybe so. All right. I didn't know. I I thought maybe she was giving a little, a little call out to our friends over at Burger King. I, I wasn't sure about that. Here's my key, my thing. Why would you go buy a hamburger that has no hamburger in it?
5: Just to feel like you're you're part doing of club. something. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're doing something. That's the whole thing. Biden also, said, and then let me just run through these. I, I can't play all of them. Biden said, "We're never going to build another coal plant, electric plant. Uh, we've got to shut down the ones that we already have. We're never going
5: to Remember, Obama said that when he was first elected, right? And, you know, the funny thing about that is what did Trump win on in 2016? He said that the coal miners were going to go back to work. Yeah. So it's like, did you, you just told a bunch of potential constituents, maybe what they don't want to hear, um, or maybe you actually played your card, in which case, if you're honest, good for you, that that's your agenda. But I mean, if the Democrat playbook is to get some of these votes from um, states where Donald Trump won them precisely on this very platform, they're not doing a very good job.
2: All right. And so here's. There was one, a couple of things that came out yesterday uh, that, and the Democrats now are starting to throw down it all. Now they're, they're, they're tearing away all the vestiges of, Well, we can't talk about that. People will get upset if we talk about that last night in four different instances, they talked about a uh, carbon tax. They haven't even mentioned that in, in years now, they're saying, I'm in on it. Budajid uh, or whatever his name is said, said, he's in on it. Warren's in on it, as well as Biden said he supports the carbon tax. Now, I just want you to think for a moment what that means. That means any, any kind of fossil fuel, the companies are going to have to pay a tax on it. Now, do you think all the companies are just going to absorb that tax, or do you think that you might see gas prices go up,
5: energy prices go up, and everything else go up? These politicians don't care. They're riding around in private jets anyway, eating up all the carbon emissions that they complain about. I mean, it's, it's you know the old saying is "rules for thee, not for me." And that's what how it applies to a lot of these people. I mean, it's the same thing with like Obamacare. How one of the stipulations of Obamacare was that members of Congress were actually didn't have from to the, do it.
2: Right? Yep you you're right. My favorite one was Harris when last night she was asked how she'd handle things that are going on in in Congress. And she said, I'll scrap the filibuster so that we can enact a new uh, a Green New Deal. First of all, she didn't even vote for the Green New Deal when it was up in in the Senate. None of the people who talk about this did. And uh, secondly, she'll be the president if she got elected. You can't tell the Senate that they have to scrap the filibuster. Well, I guess you could tell them, but it's up to the majority leader to either get rid of the filibuster or not. I, I just—I threw that stuff to the side. It just—it's—it's <laughs> it's silly. It's
5: crazy. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, and I mean they think that they still have a hope in twenty twenty. Now I don't ob- believe they do. Now knock on wood. Of obviously, there's always a slim margin of possibility. But every time I see. You know how every after every election you do a postmortem, they do an autopsy on how they did. Yes. You you would think that I mean, you're a Trump voter, we have it figured out. Like we know exactly why the president won in 2016. It's not it's not that difficult to figure out, which means that these people are either doubling down on their ridiculous policies that lost them in 2016 or they just haven't learned anything. And they think that the American public uh, is not is not wise to their machinations. Yeah. All right. We got to get a break
2: in. Let me remind you that you have a 96% chance. That's a 96% chance of losing $111,000 in social security benefits. That's according to a new research in Bloomberg. 96% of Americans will lose $111,000 in social security benefits because they take the benefits at the wrong time. Learn how you could avoid this by uh, going to an educational workshop, Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. Uh, there are two workshops in September, Tuesday the 24th, Thursday the 26th. Registration just 20 bucks. Seats are selling fast. If you've saved $250,000, register now by calling 501-653-6690. The workshop will reveal the little-known strategies that could help you wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or register online at davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you. Dr. Tim Lim is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He'll be with us in the next uh, half hour as well. Uh, we're coming up to the bottom of the hour where we're going to have the news uh but he'll be he'll be sitting in for me on the twentieth as right. I get ready to head out on my vacation. I'll be gone from the twentieth of this month until I'll be back in the seat on the second of October. I'm gonna be down in Florida, at Panama Beach, Florida, for about a week and then from there we're gonna my wife has never been to Gatlinsburg, so I'm gonna take her through that area and Pigeon Forge and all of that. I do have tickets to Dollywood. And uh we're gonna take her there and she'll have a good time, I think.
5: I think you're gonna have a blast. That's she's, a really never, good combination. she's
2: never seen uh that ear that area of the country. And I'm just telling you, in Tennessee, in the smoky mountains, it is absolutely gorgeous unless you happen to be like the doctor here and uh, the fog really is sitting in and saying, This is the smoky mountains where you can't see anything.
5: Yeah. We were there for, we were supposed to be there for about four days. We ended up staying in Smoky Mountains for a day. But I will say the good thing was that we actually saw two bears in the wild, like just go. on the hiking trail. But the rest of the time we went to Pigeon Forge and had a blast.
2: All right. We'll be back. We'll talk more culture and politics right here on The Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We're going to be uh, back with Dr. Tim Lim here in just a moment. I wanted to tell you about. If you have type 2 diabetes, I know how tough that can be. I have it as well. And uh, you're always looking for something that can help you out if you're having trouble meeting your your blood uh, sugar, you know, maximums and, and minors and, and things of that nature. Well, there is good news. There's a new study that might be able to help you out if you suffer from type 2 diabetes, and you're only on metformin you may qualify for the new study over applied research center of arkansas the participants receive study related care at no cost and you get compensation for time and travel now there are some you know qualifying things and let me just tell you what they are one you have to have an a1c of 8 or above two got to be 18 years of age and older i don't know if there's anything else just go to ARCArkansas.com. You'll find out there or call them 501-954-7822. Ask them about this new uh, type 2 diabetes study at Applied Research Center of Arkansas. So weird things happen when you do radio. I'm just going to tell you, especially when you have people on that think a lot like you do. And, you know, I knew Dr. Tim Lim was coming on. Elizabeth sent me an article from the the Federalist, who I hold in very high regard, and it was all about the new slate of Marvel movies that are coming up uh, starting next year and how the things that we've talked about before about how Marvel has gone so far left are going looks like going to start being integrated now into all of their movies that they're getting ready to release. And I sent this uh, article to him. He says, how bizarre. He says because I got a buddy, washes for, writes for the Washington Times that did, just did a video on this, mm-hmm. and he's on the phone for us, right?
5: He is, yeah. So uh, if he, I think he's already called in, and I'll introduce him. Yeah, he's him. on. Right. He's right
2: with us. Who so, who
5: we got? This is Douglas Ernst. He uh, he's a blogger and he's a journalist for the Washington Times, and his his blog, uh, Douglas Ernst at Blogspot, is really good, and his um, his YouTube channel is just called Douglas Ernst. But he just happened to do this video last night talking about this very topic so he is the master he's been actually keeping up with this subject for all over um, a year now just thinking very specifically of the marvel cinematic universe and how they have like this kind of agenda going on that they're going to try and fulfill now that they've kind of gotten rid of the core character so we i think we have him on the line right now yeah
2: he's he's with us um, hey doug let me ask you a question are you related to the urn stout of oklahoma
4: I not that I know of. You never know, but uh, no, not not that I know of. Yeah, Thanks he was for a, having me on. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. Yeah, he was. A, he worked. Uh, he was congressman and then worked for the Heritage Foundation. So thought that was pretty cool. Well,
4: I actually I actually did work for the Heritage Foundation though. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're one years of the years ago. I worked. I also
2: worked for them. So well, you're one of the good guys. Then go ahead. You want to.
5: Well, we'll just, let, we'll just let Doug talk because I haven't had a chance to watch your video yet, Doug, but you know, this just happened to pop up. So apparently, obviously, you were talking about it because I saw that video was posted last night and I saw it this morning on my feed. And then um, I come into the studio and then Dave tells me about this article written by The Federalist. So it seems like a bunch of people are catching on to the same thing. But you have been actually you know, kind of following this for a long time now. So for our listeners here in the central Arkansas region— Give us kind of like a background in terms of um, uh, uh, where you started seeing the red flags and what is basically being talked about in terms of what's happening for next year.
4: Sure, no problem. So roughly a decade ago, w- actually when I was working at the Heritage Foundation, I started a blog. It's called or That's where you could reach me. And at, I was covering the intersection of politics and popular culture, and it started this sort of stuff started to bleed into the comic books but as you know not as many people read the comic books but they're in many ways a feeder for these movies that make you know over a billion a billion dollars or whatever so for many years i was just writing about the ideological left wing bent that was it was seeping into these comics and myself and a couple other people dave huber is another um, guy he's worked for the college fix uh, before i think he still does but we were saying this there's only it's only a matter of time before this makes its way into the movies and then i i met you through youtube and it sort of started to blow up as exactly these things started to happen so so yes now i'm on youtube and i don't write as much but um like you said a lot of people are finally catching on because that's the, that's the agenda. That's the end game. No pun intended.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I, I came into this whole thing about uh, culture uh, through my uh, friendship with Andrew Breitbart. We would sit and talk at times, and he always told me that culture is upstream from politics. And I started paying more and more attention to it. And I'm going to tell you what, conservatives need to pay more attention to it.
4: Yeah, actually, Andrew Breitbart had a humongous influence on my life, and he was one of the very first people that I was like, wow, he gets it. And when I was living in Washington, D.C. these days, I still work remotely for the Times, but I'm out in um, Reno, actually. But when I was in D.C., so many conservatives, they didn't want anything to do with Hollywood. They didn't want anything to do with popular culture. And... Andrew Breitbart was like one of the guys, and Greg Gutfeld also seemed Mm -hmm. to get it, but they were just like, you need to pay attention to these things because it it totally shapes the culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and the culture shapes the country, and the country and the way we're shaping it now is not good.
4: Right, and then for many years, when you when you would say to these people, particularly the comics people, like, I see what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're up to. They would deny it for, for many, many years. And then eventually, once it got into the movies, then it was like the cat's out of the bag. They're like, yep, yeah, we're ideologues. What are you going to do about it, basically? And uh, and now we're just going to go full steam ahead with this sort of stuff.
5: Yep. I, go I, ahead. Have, I haven't had a chance to watch your video yet that you posted last night. So basically, the gist of this Federalist article is – what I guess uh, you talk about as well, which is the idea that the 2020 slate of Marvel movies, if you didn't think there was an agenda um, up until this point, there definitely is one moving forward. You have, like, they they basically said we're going to have, like, an all-female Avengers team. Um, they're, they're basically going to go for the woke points when it comes to their television. But there's something that I noticed. With the exception of Captain Marvel, it was, like, a very slow trickle. Like, for the most part, a lot of those movies are fairly harmless. But going into twenty twenty looks like it's full steam ahead. What what do you think made it so that rather than try to do the slow crawl towards their agenda, why do you think it is that they've decided to just scuttle everything and go full speed? Is it because they feel well, I guess there's two ways you can look at it. You can either be one, the idea is, well, we're having a losing hand here, so we might as well just double down on what we want to do. Or it's, hey, we know that the audience is ripe for the picking. Now's the time to strike. In your mind, which of the two do you think it is?
4: It's one of those things where I think there's a a combination. It's like a multi-pronged thing going on here. So one, it's like the advent of all these YouTubers that are calling them out. So they can't really hide it anymore. Whereas Mm -hmm. that used to, it wasn't covered. It was like little blogs that were writing about it with very small audiences and they would just dismiss you. There's been an audience of people that, a very large one, that they could reach a lot of people quickly and say exactly what's going on. So it's like they can't hide it like they used to. Two, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's no way they're going to replicate that first decade or whatever it was with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and all those guys. So it's like you said, it's like they're also on the downward slope, most likely, uh, if you look at what they <laughs> have going. So I've always noticed, especially with like singers and, and bands, when they're getting, when they're on the downward slope of their career, they just become more ideological because they could sort of like, they know that there's a an audience out there that will be into that and they're rabid and they could essentially lock in that particular audience. So I don't know, I think it's a, it's a combination of, One, not being able to hide it, and two, like you said, they're just like, well, you know, we're we're, we're going to go down with the ship. We might as well just be totally open about our propaganda at this point in time.
2: It's kind of interesting in the the Federalist article, they mentioned that you've got Valkyrie, which is uh, coming up uh, with her kind of own movie. I guess she's going to be a major character. She's bisexual. Uh, the, uh, Eternals are going to have a, uh, totally gay, ca- uh, character in theirs. And then, uh, I'm forgetting what, which other one that they talked about. And and then they look at the way the, the females are being, the females are all powerful. Nobody around them can touch them and things of that nature. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. Yeah.
4: Yeah, there's definitely a a hardcore, definitely feminist. And uh, in terms of the LGBT agenda or whatever you want to call it, they have fixated on that lately. And they think that is definitely a winning hand for them. Uh, And I, in my video, I was like, okay, well, let's see. (laughs) At least I like when people are open about where they stand, because then we could have an honest debate when they're, when they're denying it, when it's obvious, then it's it's hard. But if if they want to do these movies where it's all about the agenda first and the story is kind of secondary in a weird way, then I, I almost kind of welcome it because then we could have really honest and frank converse, conversations about the culture.
2: Yeah, how about political correctness? In a Federalist article, they said political correctness would be uh, would make this, these super uh, hero movies dull and boring
4: I mean I definitely agree with that. that's that's been the case in the comics for years when you human beings are flawed they're fallible they they say things that are ridiculous they hurt people that they love they do bad things in irrational ways they don't even know why sometimes and it, if you have all these rules, you essentially creatively put people and our characters in boxes where if you're scared of always offending somebody, you just keep shrinking the possibilities of the stories that you can tell. And real life just isn't like that. There are people, <laughs> I don't know, it's just you're making it into this sort of robotic sort of universe where it's just, it's boring.
5: I wanted to catch up with you on uh, on this topic, um, but real quick, for people listening out there, uh, Douglas Ernst has a great YouTube channel. You can find him on YouTube, Douglas Ernst, that's E-R-N-S-T, and he has, like I said, that video that he just put up last night regarding this topic. But, um, Doug, we had been talking for a while now about, for example, um, uh, Disney just opened that new Star Wars land in California, and I don't know if you've been watching Clownfish TV on YouTube, but they're not doing very well. The numbers are not good for Disney. Disneyland for the first time is actually ranked below Dollywood in terms of theme park attendance. Really? Yes, and that was after Galaxy's Edge opened earlier this year. The Millennium Falcon ride has a 60-minute wait, which sounds like a lot of time, but for theme parks, that's not a lot of time at all, especially for a new ride. Um, Right. So in light of that, I am inclined to think that, yes, you're correct. There is a combination of them just doubling down. Because at this point, what can they do? That theme park, that expansion, Galaxy's Edge, costs more than all of the Epcot theme park combined to build. Whoa. And and they ha- they have nothing to show for it because it's kind of like, well... We kind of doubled down on this kind of woke version of Star Wars, but we have to eat it. We can't just change it now. So in, do you feel like, I mean, like, you we, you see it all the time. So, I mean, like, a few um, weeks ago, you had the trouble with people going after you for basically saying, hey, there's, like, no copies of Alita Battle Angel on the shelves, but there's a lot of copies of Captain Marvel. And the rebuke to that is, like, well, Captain Marvel made more money than Alita anyway. Do you feel like, I guess for us personally, we're biased because we have, we're have we a little bit more conservative, and so we think to ourselves, well, this is not going to win in the end. But the counter argument is, well, if by winning you mean generating money, we are going to win in the end. How do you feel like the, the new slate of Marvel movies going into the future with the Disney agenda, how do you think that they're going to do? Do you feel like they are going to get a monetary advantage because of their politics, or do you feel like it's going to fall flat?
4: Yeah, that's one of those things where because Disney is so huge and they've gobbled up so many properties, it's like when they're the only store in town <laughs> and there's no one else. Like, they're, and they're just like, "This is you're going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches whether you like them or not." And that's all we're serving. And you're like, "Well, I am hungry." <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like they they bought up Fox. They have all these Fox properties. They have their own Disney properties, and so so many great intellectual properties uh, fall under like the mouse's purview at this point in time. And so they could almost on some level, they could kind of get away with it, at least in the short run. And there's, I I don't know what the alternative is because that was one of the reasons why I liked Alita, even though it was a flawed movie, there was a genuine sort of love and creativity that was imbued or just like it's, it was, exuding and bursting forth from james cameron yeah uh, like obviously it. yeah and and so but that blo- that was uh distributed by fox if i remember correctly which now of course is under disney and so it then it comes okay well are, is disney going to be in control of that is james cameron going to just totally walk away because i think he has the rights to it but so it's it's just all muddled up because Disney owns so many properties and I think they're just going to keep doing what they've been doing and kind of laughing about it because even, even when they lose money, uh, there's, (laughs) they have, like you said, they have the parks, they have all these other things and they could shuffle around and do accounting tricks to say that they're making money. And it's just, uh, we're in a bad place uh, with Disney owning so many of, of these superheroes and characters.
2: Doug, I appreciate you joining us today. For my listeners, you've got a blog and a YouTube channel. Tell them where they can uh, access those at.
4: Sure. You can just reach me at douglasernst.blog. I'm also on the YouTube channel, just Douglas Ernst, E-R-N-S-T, and then I'm, I'm always on Twitter all day, every day, and then it's just Douglas Ernst as well.
2: All right. We appreciate your time. We'll have you back on in the near future. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. It was great. Absolutely great. Let's take a quick break. Come back. Got to talk to Dr. Lim here about he's got some business to take care of this weekend. We'll talk about it next on the Dave Ellswick show. Cool talk as well, because we talk about stuff the other guys don't. Just letting you know. I'll, gar- I'll guarantee you the other station ain't talking about comic books. They ain't <laughs> talking
5: about wrestling. You yeah. know, you they're, got not, I they're mean- not talking about culture you got to have the young people listening in, tuning in. This is the kind of stuff that, I mean, subversion is the worst tactic that the left can use. You have to call it out. You have to identify it. Yep. And you you got to talk about it. All right. John Payne is here. What's happening,
2: brother? You just slumming today? <laughs> All right. Dr. Tim Lim is here. Would you rather me not use the doctor before your name?
5: I really don't care. I'm, proud, don't care. I'm proud of it, but well, you I, should I, also be. Go, I also go by Tim, too. It makes, me, it makes
2: people think that because you got a doctor in front of your name, you know a lot more than probably you do, but that's okay.
5: It can intimidate some people, but if you ever meet me in real life, I'm just a he's normal person. Not, yes.
2: <laughs> he's nothing like a doctor would be. All right. With that uh, said, uh, you're going to be over at the Arkansas uh, Comic-Con, Little Rock Comic-Con coming up uh, this weekend. Had uh, those hooks on earlier today. It sounds pretty like it's going to be very good. And next year, he said they're going to announce who the big guest is going to be on Sunday. And they said they'll get the new dates for next year. And
5: also, they're taking
2: over the whole convention center next year.
5: Wow. No, that's it's a great show. If you've never been, it's... Um... Probably the biggest show in the state. Yeah, it is. Um, just as far as the number of people who show up and the number of celebrities they have it there. Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from the animated series, is going to be there. The kid who played Short Round in Indiana Jones is going to be there. Ric Flair, Mankind, got some wrestlers in there. I'm going to be there. Sean Aston is going to be there. Sean Aston's going to be there. I am um, not as big as those guys, but... You're you... going to be there. I will be there, and I'll be there with my, um, my agents with Invasion Media. We're going to have a little corral of artists as well so shout out to them uh stop by and say hi i always give free stuff to people who stop by and say things like hey i heard you on dave Ellswick." i literally have a box of free stuff i give people there you go
2: who do that you want to do that and it probably be something with trump on it
5: sometimes it is yeah just saying <laughs> is mark going to be there mark will be there too all
2: right pellegrini you hear both of these guys on my show a lot i uh i highly value them as guests on the dave Ellswick show and it's in important what time do you know where you're going to be located at yet
5: i don't but look for invasion media um, okay or my name timothy Lim, or my company ninja inc under it's gonna be one of those three names okay I'll give, be it, them, give I'll be them again it. uh ninja inc invasion media for sure is is my rep and then my name is timothy Lim. All so right. you can see me this weekend at uh, the arkansas comic con
2: yeah stop by get yourself some comics uh you're going to have uh Kind of some rarities still that people can buy. Is that not cr- true as well?
5: Yeah. So all of the Trump books I've worked on will be there, and they're the limited edition ones, the campaign versions. We keep a few of them for ourselves for our conventions. And then our Black Ops issues one and two, which are, are rare, they go about $14, 15 on eBay. We have the individual issues that we still sell um, at conventions as well.
2: And you can get an autograph. For free. For free. doesn't cost you anything. All right, Tim. Um, Don't forget, by the way, he's going to be filling in for me on the 20th of this month. You don't want to miss that. It'd be fun. He was telling me who he's going to have on. It's going to be a great show. You should have Doug back on. I think I will. All right. We'll talk to you later. I'll see you on uh, Friday at 2. We've got uh, the repeat of the JR interview coming up next.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's